Warning, this podcast contains spoilers. But let's be honest, we all know Ray is the only one who has never seen these movies. In a world of mega blockbusters, one man stands alone. That's me. For nearly 40 years, he has survived on an island of ignorance. Huh? You've laughed, you've cheered, and you've cried. And he has no idea why. If you say so. Today, he is finally rescued, and these movies you know and love will be seen at last. Now, coming to you from Doorknob's Basement Studio, here are your co-hosts, Ray and MJ. Hello there, everybody. Welcome back to Seen at Last. This is episode number two. If you missed episode number one... Go back and check it out. It was really good. I, of course, am here with my good friend, MJ. Hey there, scene buffs. How you doing? Don't actually answer that question. This is one way. That's true. (laughs) But I will ask, MJ, how are you doing? Oh, I'm probably doing great. Except, you know, being stuck indoors with two screaming children. Not here, but, you know, at home. Yeah, I've got three. That's true, but the two older ones should be able to behave themselves. Well, they don't. They still scream a lot. Yes, I, I know. This is why we record in the middle of the night. <laughs> By the way, happy Friday, everyone. And if it's not Friday, uh, it's Friday for the, like the next hour. So enjoy it. Crack open a cold one. There you go. Sounds Just like a good idea to me. Don't let your boss see it. <laughs> Probably not a good idea there. Anyway, hey, we're here to talk about a movie. And what movie are we talking about today, Ray? Today's movie, which I can't wait to talk about, is Rocky. So before we hear from Ray, let's uh, talk a little bit about the movie. It was released on December 3rd, 1976, has an IMDb score of 8.1, Rotten Tomatoes critic score of 96, but only an audience score of 69. It stars Sylvester Stallone, Talia Shire, Burt Young, Carl Weathers, and Burgess Meredith. It was written by Sylvester Stallone and directed by John G. Alvidson. The estimated budget was $960,000. But it grossed worldwide $117 million, making it the highest grossing film of 1976. It was actually the first sports movie to ever win Best Picture. It was inspired by the 1975 boxing match between Chuck Wepner and Muhammad Ali, in which Wepner wasn't expected to make it past the third round, but lasted until the 15th round when Ali won by TKO with only 19 seconds left in the match. Stallone wrote the first draft of the script in only three days. But as part of his deal with the producers, Erwin Winkler and Robert Cardoff, he had to agree to continue to work as the writer without being paid. Now, Ray, why exactly haven't you seen this movie, being a sports fan like you are? Well, the truth is, I've never been into boxing. I'm, as we've discussed before, a professional wrestling guy. Not quite the same thing. (laughs) No, no, not at all. Um, you know, and I've, I've, I have watched a few boxing matches. Like I, uh, I think I watched both Tyson Holyfield matches. I, I may have watched one or two others. I, I can't recall right now. Also, by the time I was interested in watching movies, this was an old movie, and I, yeah, whatever. It's a, it's a boxing movie. Other than that, I really don't have any good reasons. Well, now that you've just finished watching it, what do you think? Okay, I'll be honest. The first, uh, I don't know if I want to say half, third, maybe somewhere in between there. I was like, wow, this is a this is a lot of buzz over an okay movie. I mean, it, it wasn't, it's not terrible by any means, but there was nothing that like was drawing me in. The second half of the movie made it a great fucking movie. I mean, I... Th- I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden I started caring about these people. You know, I cared about Rocky. I cared about Adrian. I cared about even Polly. Well, you know, it's that story about the nobodies, the people that just trying to make it by in life. And finally someone gets a shot. Absolutely. Cinderella's story is overdone. But this was pretty much that. And it was amazing. I... I I really enjoyed this movie. I don't know if you could tell because we were watching it together, but in the last training montage when he makes it up to the top of the stairs and he's throwing his hands in the air, I got chills. 
I really, truly got chills. And I was like, wow, I am really into this movie, and I don't know how that happened. <laughs> well, thank you, Sylvester Stallone, for surprising Ray. Absolutely. Well, why don't we get into the movie? Sounds good. So right off the bat, we get to see a brutal match between two nobodies. Yeah, but they weren't fighting like they were nobodies. I mean, did you see that headbutt? Oh, my God. Yeah, it pissed Rocky off, too. He just went nuts on the guy. Yeah, he did. Uh, well, I mean, it's illegal in boxing to use other parts of your body other than your fists. And apparently not on the amateur circuit. Yeah, I guess not. But, I mean, the amount of punishment they went through for what did they get out of it? Oh, I know. The loser got what what was supposed to be $40, but after all the taxes and fees, and where have you heard that before? Phone companies, cable companies, all that crap. Anyway, uh, sorry, tangent. After fees, he got, what, $17? Something like that. And then the winner's share was supposed to be 65 but again, taxes and fees. And he ends up with 40 bucks for getting his head split open. Yeah, it's it's kind of like, ooh, wow, you either have to really love this or be really desperate. Right? You know, those numbers aren't far off from what Sylvester Stallone was actually making before Rocky got picked up. He was making $35 a week working as an usher. Oh, wow. Yeah, so. That's crazy. Probably better than getting your head beat in, but, you know. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, even today, though, independent wrestlers, the, the small circuit guys that, you know, don't go very far from where they live. They call it making towns. At least they used to. I don't know if they still do or not. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't get paid jack either. They get, you know... It's a little better. They get paid like 50 to to $100 an appearance. But still, you got to be really dedicated to your craft to put your body through all that abuse of boxing and or professional wrestling. And it's insane the amount of money that these guys, how little they make. Yeah, it, it, the discrepancies, too, between, you know, the small-time guys that are doing that and the big guys that are making millions of dollars for, like, one match. Yeah. It's it's pretty crazy. Yeah, he said, Rocky said, hey, when's my next fight? And he's like, the, the, the gym owner or whatever was, well, call me in two weeks, where I mean, the guy we'll meet later in the movie probably fights once every few months. Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, you can't even heal in that amount of time. No. So after the doctor is supposed to be in in 20 minutes, we have our intro credits rolling and we see Rocky walking down the street and he passes this pet shop where he looks in the window and and you basically see the neighborhood he lives in. It's dirty and run down. And, you know, there's a group of guys singing, what, Motown? I, I You know, I'm not actually that familiar with Motown, but, you know, could be. You know, the, the lead singer there was actually uh, Stallone's brother. Oh, was it really? Yeah. That's cool. He shows up one more time as like this bum who comes out of a, a shadow when uh, Rocky's walking with Adrian. Oh. So yeah, he's in there a couple times. Cool. Good for him. But yeah, I mean, you really get this feeling like these people are just kind of living day to day, trying to make the best of things that they can. I mean, Rocky's out there boxing because he's passionate about it. These guys are just singing on the corner. But you kind of get that feeling of the the really humble life. I mean- uh, when Rocky goes walking up to his uh, his apartment, he has to, like, reach through the screen door to open the door. <laughs> yeah. And then you see inside his apartment, and while he has a lot of stuff, it's, you know, it's tiny. I mean, what is it, a studio? Yeah. I mean, the kitchen, bathroom, bedroom. I mean, the bathroom is its own little room, but everything else is kind of one little space. You know, as all his furniture is kind of broken down. I like the, the mattress that he's got wrapped around uh, a little wall. Where he can sit there and, you know, use it as like a heavy bag type thing. Yeah. But it's all torn up. Yeah. But the coolest part of his apartment are the turtles you talked about last week. Oh, yeah. His uh, two turtles, Cuff and Link. Yeah, that's right. Clever names. You know, he actually kept those turtles and they're still alive today. They're like 45 years old. What? Wow. Yeah. Rocky's an animal lover and it's apparently so is Stallone. That's kind of awesome. I'm sure that goldfish is long gone, though. Yeah, I don't think Moby Dick made it. He he, he went the way of Ahab. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's actually because of this scene that uh, the director, John Evelson, decided that he uh, 
would do the movie. He didn't want to do a boxing movie, but then page three, there's the rock having a conversation with a couple turtles. Well, I'm betting that he's glad that he decided to get on board with the movie then. So the next morning, we meet the girl in the other part of your clue. Oh, yeah, Adrian, the shy girl at the pet store. Yeah, where Rocky tells a really bad joke that is so bad he had to practice it the night before, and it was still that bad. You know, it's the kind of joke you would tell. (laughs) Whatever. It's true. (laughs) Ray's kind of famous for telling awful dad jokes. So? (laughs) Not that bad, though. So the woman who plays Adrian is uh, Talia Shire, uh-huh. and she's actually the little sister of Francis Ford Coppola oh. and the aunt of Nicolas Cage. Wow. Yep. So she's got famous family. Yeah. I don't know. Are you sure it's not Nicolas Cage that has famous family? I, I, I guess that's true. Nicolas Cage <laughs> may have famous family. <laughs> yeah, she actually accepted the role for only... Uh, $7,500 because she was trying to get out from under the shadow of her uh, older brother. $7,500? Isn't that what extras make now? Uh, I'm not sure if extras make $7,500, but, you know, maybe for like a whole movie. Part of the reason they she was paid so little is they were trying to cut costs everywhere. Right. So they asked uh, the actors to provide as much of their own wardrobe as possible. So a lot of that is that we see Adrienne wearing is her actual wardrobe. Oh. And while we're talking wardrobe... Rocky's signature look, the the fedora and the the leather coat. Yeah. He actually just picked that in up in a secondhand store in the neighborhood they were shooting in. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That was a good idea. Yeah. It, I mean that that hat authentic. that was pretty good. Yeah. I like that. Why are the main characters of both our first two movies have famous fo- fedoras? Well, one's got a small brim, the other's got a big brim. Oh, way different hats. Okay, totally my bad. different. Sorry. Sorry. I am not what one might call a fashionista. You're lucky if you're close match. That's right. You know, but that jacket and hat gave him that kind of tough guy look that he needed. Oh, yeah. Big tough guy. Chasing down some poor construction worker who owes money to his boss. And he's getting in his face, roughing him up a little bit. And the guy's trying to explain that he doesn't have the money and he'll give him the jacket and whatever. You know, and Rocky does the right thing in the end, but, I mean, really? This is the kind of job that you have? This is where I start going from indifferent to these characters to not so much liking them. Like, I didn't know that Rocky was a leg breaker for a crappy loan shark. Yeah, you kind of figure, you know, he's taking what he can get. I mean, he wants to be a boxer, but, you know, he's making, what, 20 bucks a week on that? So he's probably looking to make ends meet, but what a dirty way to do it. Yeah, and I understand he didn't break the guy's thumb, which his boss gets mad at him for. But still, I mean, you're shaking down people, hardworking people for money. And I know it's it happens every day all over the place. It's just it seemed to me like they weren't trying to make this guy likable. I mean, I was getting the, yeah, he's a nobody, but he didn't seem to have any redeeming qualities. Yeah, it's true. I wonder, though, uh, if there's an element of, I mean, he's doing these super amateur boxing things and people are still betting money. I mean, you hear people getting mad at him for losing money because they bet against him or they bet for him. And you might imagine that he probably met Gazo through that, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, what else are you going to do? You right. Know? I mean, you could be a grocery store clerk, but... <laughs> I didn't really see any grocery stores in that neighborhood. No, there there weren't. The thing I thought was interesting about when Gazo was berating him was the kind of way he looked almost sheepish, like he was a child being scolded by a parent. Yeah, and it wasn't because the that Gazo was physically intimidating him. You know, he was said, you know, I do the thinking. You do what I tell you to, basically. I don't know if that's a popular trope in in mafia type movies or not, but because I haven't seen any, but <laughs> <laughs> it, it it can be. Yeah, it just I don't know. I mean, it's cool that he didn't end up breaking the guy's thumb, and what he said made sense. Actually, he's like he tells Gazo, "Look, if I'd have broken his thumb, he would have gotten laid off, and then he wouldn't have had your money." Yeah, you know that's a good point. I've heard a lot of people make criticisms about 
Rocky's character maybe being intellectually challenged to some extent. But he seems like he's just more uneducated. You know, he grew up on thinking he had nothing in his future except to be a boxer or whatever. Because, I mean, that, like you said, that's kind of good thinking. I mean, a guy without any money is not good for the money. Yeah, exactly. And I, I agree with you. I don't think he's developmentally delayed or anything like that. I think he just was uneducated. He didn't probably didn't even go to school most of the time. Yeah, it said he'd been boxing since he was like 15 or something like that. Yeah, that's what he said later. Yeah. Something that, that kind of leads to that is sort of the way he kind of, his slurred speech and that kind of thing. Because mm-hmm. you notice uh, Stallone always kind of talks like that and he's always kind of got this snarled look on his face. Yeah. That's actually due to complications from when he was uh, born. Uh, he's oh. got some paralysis related to that. So that's actually just something naturally that uh, he does. Oh, I never knew that. That's unfortunate. Unfortunate, but, you know, how about a guy making a career for himself even with something like that? Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, he knows what movies he should be in. You know, it's funny because there's parallels between that and Rocky because he throws a lot of biographical stuff in there. So he's channeling his frustration about being trying to be an actor and a writer mm-hmm. into the r- character of Rocky's frustration about wanting to be a boxer. Really? Yeah. Uh, he actually sat there and said that he didn't feel like if someone was looking at the story of, you know, a struggling actor or writer, it wouldn't be it wouldn't bring up the empathy that would be needed from an audience. I mean, he didn't even feel empathy for his own story. So that's why he he put it all into the the character of Rocky. Wow. I I that's incredible. I wonder if that means is he, he was as bad with the ladies as Rocky seemed to be because we saw Rocky go back to the pet shop a little bit later and still just nothing. He he asks her out on a date and she just totally blows him off it seems like. You know, I saw there rewatching it again. At one point she almost gives a little smirk to the attention that he's giving her. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, there's a little bit of it. And then I think at the end of that particular scene, when he's leaving, she suddenly perks up and actually says something. I mean, it's just by Rocky. Yeah. But it's suddenly like, oh. She can talk. She can talk and she can be nice <laughs> to him and everything. Yeah. You know, but the guy seems to, to always be down on his luck. I mean, yeah. when he goes to, to Mickey's uh, boxing gym, I mean, he, he's lost his locker. I yeah, mean, that's kind of craptacular. You, you spend six years... Or however long he's been in that gym. I know he said he had the locker for six years. I don't know if that means he was... I wonder if he's been at that same gym boxing since he was 15. I don't know. I mean, I don't imagine the guys move far. True. You know, so he probably has. Especially since, you know, Mickey's been doing that for, like he said, like 50 years. Yeah. You know the little guy that he talks to when he walks in the door? What, are you deaf? No, I'm short. Exactly. (laughs) That's actually a legendary uh, fight trainer, Jimmy uh, Gambina. Really? Yeah. Stallone actually trained with him for a few months before shooting. And then he plays the role of, you know, one of the trainers in the gym. That's really cool. I I guess that helps lend some authenticity to the film. Yeah. He uh, he also served as a technical advisor. Mm -hmm. He wasn't the only one with boxing experience uh, in the movie. Burt Young, the guy who plays Polly, actually did a little of amateur boxing. And uh, Stallone consulted with him a little bit about the fight scene at the end. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's cool. Polly's an interesting character, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. We meet him when Rocky's going to kind of drown his sorrows of the day. He had a kind of a rough day, so he ends up at this bar and we meet Polly, who turns out is Adrian's brother. And man, what an asshat. Yeah, he really, really is. I mean, he's also kind of a drunk which doesn't help it any. True. He really gets down on his sister. And his supposed best friend. I mean, when he's not asking him to put in a good word for me with the shitty loan shark. Yeah. You know, you got to wonder about that. You know, how shitty does your job have to be to want to go be a leg breaker? Right? You know? I mean, he has an actual legit job. I mean, it might. It may suck. I, I worked in in meat freezers and ice cream freezers for years. And yeah. It's cold. Yeah, I have too. But it's not, like, I'm not, I would never want to trade any kind of job for, like, crime. I mean, working for small-time loan sharks or the mob or whoever. You know, the one thing to 
consider, though, is that these people, if there, if there's one thing that is common between all the characters, is they're all, quote unquote, nobodies. They all want to be somebody. And Rocky's recognized by everybody. He's a boxer. He's got power because he is kind of a leg breaker, that sort of thing. Polly may feel as if he's completely has a meaningless life and he's looking to up his status in whatever way possible. Well, then he should start a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So after Polly steals a beer. (laughs) It's so true. We get introduced for the first time to uh, I'm not going to call him a bad guy because I really don't think he was a bad guy. We'll we'll say the antagonist of the film, yes, Apollo Creed, who you said was supposed to be based on Muhammad Ali. Oh yeah, yeah. In fact, um, so a lot of people don't like when fictional characters are based on them, but Muhammad Ali was a big fan of it. He he watched it and he says, "Yeah, that that that's me. <laughs> that is me." Really? Yeah. Uh, the way he he talked and the way he uh, you know was always jiving with you know with catchy phrases and the way he was always talking down to his opponents trying to psych him out yeah yeah that was that was very muhammad ali thing and he he really recognized himself in the character you know that surprises me a little bit i kind of figure i mean nothing against carl weathers he's great mm-hmm. but i kind of figured muhammad ali would have insisted on having uh samuel l jackson play the part because he's a bad mother hey, 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 hey we get one of those per episode oh sorry <laughs> Oh, Ray. Sorry. Oh, God. I got myself. I'm sorry. One more thing I actually wanted to talk about happens right after this is we kind of get Rocky trying to give advice to a, a young girl who he finds on the street hanging out with the wrong crowd. And, you know, this is kind of where I think I started to turn around my opinion of him because he was trying to do the right thing. He was trying to help out this girl. I mean, she totally blows him off. Oh, yeah. But he was trying to do the right thing. Yeah, I mean, he grew up a lot on the streets. He saw how things turn out for people like that. And he was like, you know, you could make a better life for yourself. You just got to avoid getting the wrong reputation and and that kind of thing. I mean, she was pretty young. Yeah, I think she said she was 12. Okay. Yeah, that'd be about right, I think. And clearly she was hanging out with people considerably older than she is. Yeah. You know, one of the things I appreciate there is even to the extent where he's like, okay, I've got to say a dirty word, and then says whore. Yeah. It's like he was apologizing for even having to say it to her. Right. You know, not calling her it, but just no. having to use the word. Yeah. What I think is really kind of sad, though, is... When she calls him a, a creepo and blows him off, you know, he, he starts really kind of getting down on himself. Yeah, I noticed that too. And I honestly know what that feels like, you yeah. know, trying to. And I'm not talking about being a parent and having your teenage kids obviously let what you're trying to tell them go in one ear and out the other. Yeah. But, you know, doing your best for someone and them just blowing you off like it means nothing. Right. And. Something that's kind of interesting is, okay, so she calls him a creepo. Right. Right? But if you remember back to the evening scene with uh, Adrian when he's trying to ask her out to the basketball game and then he leaves. Yeah. He talks about, you know, you can there's creepos out there. You can always tell a creepo. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, wow, am, am I that guy? You yeah. Know? So we... Suddenly get a complete 180. We go from Rocky feeling like he's worth absolutely nothing to suddenly seeing Apollo Creed, who feels like he's freaking, you know, God's gift to creation. (laughs) Yeah, he kind of does, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, like the way he's just hyping things up, you know, it's like, ah, I'm going to put on a show and it's going to be great and everyone's going to love me and it's going to be awesome. Yeah, yeah. He definitely has to uh, squeeze his ego into the ring whenever he fights. Yeah, that is that is absolutely true, especially when he comes up with the idea that hey, we're gonna get some no name nobody, mm-hmm. you know, and we're gonna give him a chance, and it's this big American story and everything like that, you know. And his promoter says, ah, it's very American, and he's like, no, it's very smart, because for him, it's it's all the show, you know. Yeah, it's all about his brand and his his. Well, 
I don't know if it's about his wallet, although it seems like when you become that big of a star, even though oh, it's not about the money, it's about the money. But it it does seem to be about this is about his brand and getting him to look as good as he possibly can. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, once again, that harkens back very much to Muhammad Ali and, you know, the the way they tried to make him larger than life. Yeah. Funny thing about that scene, there's a bodyguard in the background. doesn't have any lines or anything. Uh-huh. Uh, it's actually Michael Dorn. Really? Yeah, it's his film debut. So, it kind of a neat little little thing to see back there. You know, if we didn't have these screens around our microphones, you might notice that I'm kind of giving you a blank stare. Uh, remind me who Michael Dorn is again? Oh, God. Worf. Oh! Holy crap! Jeez, man. Oh, I forgot. That's, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I Wait, you don't recognize him without all the giant ridges on his head and growling all the time? <laughs> That's right. So, um, Carl Weathers, when he came in to audition for the role, uh-huh. he was sparring with Sylvester Stallone. Okay. And he accidentally punched Stallone on the chin, and Stallone's like, hey, calm down. And Weathers is like, you know, if I was auditioning with the real actor, then this would go better. And the director's all like, smiles at him and says, that is the real actor. Oh, God. And Weathers is like, well, maybe he'll get better. And Stallone <laughs> hired him on the spot for it. That's great. That's wonderful. At least he has a sense of humor. That's that's good to know. Oh, yeah. You kind of have to. I mean, you're, you're looking at this super low-budget movie. Uh-huh. So pe- people have got to be doing it for at least partially because they're, they're kind of passionate about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I. You know what? I'll bet they offered to pay them in exposure. <laughs> oh, God. No, we don't pay artists in exposure. Damn it. Yeah, I, I, that's a pet peeve of hers. I, I like to push the button every now and then when she's not expecting it. Yes, and my cane isn't close by to whack you upside the head. Yeah. Six feet apart. Come on now. Yeah, yeah. So we have another little scene with Mr. Lone Shark, and he f- hears that Rocky's going out on a date. Who knows how he found this out, but whatever. He hears things. He hears He things. said so. Yeah. Oh, uh, my bad. I-, I forgot. He's always saying that to Rocky. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> but he gives him 50 bucks, you know, to have a good time. Yeah. You know... I- I was talking about earlier about him almost, you know, scolding him like a parent. Mm-hmm. But maybe he's got a soft spot. Maybe he kind of sees himself as like a father figure to some extent. Yeah, you know, that could be. That could be. I like him a little more than I did, even though, well. As uh, much as you can like a loan shark. Yeah, exactly. Even though the that driver. Oh, that guy is an ass. If he'd talked about my girlfriend, I'd have pulled him out that window. Oh, he almost did. <laughs> I mean, that. Never mind that we don't use that kind of language anymore. That's not, but oh. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's some bad stuff that gets said in there. Yeah. Yeah, you know, slurs and things got thrown around a lot more back in the day without even thinking about it. Yeah, we kind of passed over one from earlier uh, that the bartender used, but I'm not going to repeat it. Oh, of course not. But I think anybody who's seen the movie will know what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, but Apollo brings his own race card to the table he makes it very clear after he decides that he wants to fight an up-and-comer that he wants it to be a white guy. I mean, he uses the term Snow White. And then during the press conference a little bit later with him and Rocky, a reporter asks him, you know, is there any coincidence that you're fighting a white guy? And his response is something like, well, is it any coincidence that he's fighting a black guy? Yeah, uh, certainly I think it played a role, definitely. But since there isn't really a whole lot said there about, you know, being negative one way or the other, I would almost imagine that, you know, it's like it, the big thing is it's a bicentennial celebration type thing. And considering the, the tensions between the white community and black community in America and the history between them, to have two men of different backgrounds standing together fighting in a sort of a mutual co- competition, it's could be considered a, you know, kind of a positive thing, bringing communities together and such. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, I didn't look at it that way before. I'm so used to whenever people bring up race, it being negative connotation that I didn't, you know, that that's a really good point. This does seem like a way to bring people together. Oh, absolutely. I mean, in a lot of ways, you know, while Apollo Creed was coming up with this idea of bringing up a nobody... He is telling the story of, you know, 
America's land of opportunity. That's true. You give someone a shot and let them see where they'll go with it. That's true. That's very true. And that's why I said before, I don't see Apollo as the bad guy. I mean, sure, he's the antagonist, but he's not a bad guy. No, I mean, almost if there's a bad guy, it's Rocky's own doubt in himself. You know, that's a good point. I mean, how many times when Rocky is going to dinner over at Polly and Adrian's house, does he ask Polly, like, hey, does she, she knows I'm coming, right? Hey, she's cool with me coming, right? You know, over and over and over again, like, she's okay with it, right? She's okay with it, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because he's totally, I, I don't know if he was nervous, uh... It's almost like the confidence he has is a show. Yeah. That inside he he doesn't have that confidence at all. No. Going back to one of the first scenes where he tells his, his pets, he's like, you know, I wouldn't have to do this if you guys could sing or dance. You know, yeah. <laughs> not he, he, he sort of believes that he is a nobody and that he's not good for anything but getting punched in the face for a living. Yeah. You can almost see how there's a cycle here. You know, people get pushed down, and so they push down on their kids and the people around them. I mean, at Thanksgiving, how much does Polly berate Adrian? Ah, you're wasting your life. Oh, you know, you're going to be nothing. Blaming everything that's wrong in his life on her, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So you get to see kind of in real time that kind of grinding someone down. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I kind of had mixed feelings about that scene. I mean, was Polly doing it just to be an asshole? Or was he doing it to try to get her out of the house with Rocky and, you know, trying to help out his friend? I mean, going further in the movie, you realize, no, he's just an asshole. You know, you bring that up, but it's actually kind of funny because in the original version of the script, Polly was Adrian's Jewish mother. And in the Thanksgiving scene specifically, you can kind of see that stereotype of the the busybody mother, you know, oh, you got to do this and you have to do this and you got to get out of your life and you got to meet this guy and always trying to set someone up with somebody, you know. It's one of those things. And it's that one scene where there's some lines I pick out and I go, oh, yep, I can see where that could have gone. <laughs> that's that's amazing. But, you know, with, with <sighs> Polly being her brother, you know, it's not going to have that same connotation. No. It's not going to be charming or anything like that at all. Right, exactly. But dinner gets ruined by Polly, and so they leave. I mean, Rocky has to tell more bad jokes, like, well, I've never had to talk to a door before. You know what's funny? Which made me chuckle, actually. Yeah, you know what's funny about it is he's good at delivering the bad jokes. Yes, that's true. You know? That's true. So you got to give him credit for that. Yeah. You know, I think I realized around this time that, you know, I was actually starting to like Rocky and Adrian. I mean, I was still unsure, but I was starting to swing toward liking the characters. And I I think this is about where I started to really get into the movie, even though I didn't realize it. Right, right. You started getting a little invested. Yeah. So they go out on their date, and they end up at an ice skating rink. Yeah, this ice rink scene is one of uh, people's favorite scenes in all the uh, Rocky movies. But it actually uh, didn't work out the way it was supposed to in the script. It was originally scripted to have 300 extras, but they couldn't afford them. So when Stallone showed up on set, he was in horror that there was literally one extra. So he (laughs) came up with the scene real fast on the spot. Hey, that's fast thinking. And it made sense, too. I mean, it was Thanksgiving Day. Oh, yeah. I I think it actually served the film a lot better to have it that way. It made it more intimate. Yeah. Gave them a chance to kind of get to know each other, especially with as shy as Adrian is. To not have anybody around watching and stuff kind of let her start to open up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. She definitely did a lot more talking than we'd seen her do up to this point. And they had an interesting conversation. Uh, I mean, yeah, Rocky did a lot of the talking, and mm-hmm. but he, you know, we got to know him a little bit more. You know, why he's a fighter. Because he can't sing and dance? Because he can't sing and dance. <laughs> but... Also because, you know, it was I thought it was really interesting that his his dad told him you weren't born with much in the brain area, so you better focus on your body. Yeah, it's true. I mean, we were talking about that. It's like he was built up from the very beginning that that was who he was going to be. Mhm. What I found interesting was kind of his like I could have been big, but 
no one would give me a shot because I'm left-handed. Oh, yeah. And that's a real thing, too. They touched on it in uh, the last scene with Apollo when he was picking the fighter he wanted. Mm -hmm. One of his managers said, you don't want to fight that guy. He's a southpaw. And I'm not sure exactly how big that still is today, but I know that that used to be, and maybe still is, a common fear for boxers and it just in general fighters, because you've got to change up your whole style when you're fighting somebody who's left-handed. There's so few people that are left-handed that, you know, how much practice do you get? Exactly. I mean, you brought up Muhammad Ali earlier. Yeah. He fought two left-handers in his entire boxing career. Uh-huh. Okay. The first one was while he was in his prime, mm -hmm. okay? And he went into it thinking that, you know, he was just going to take this guy out right. or whatever. And I think the guy's name was Carl Mendenberger. And he had to change up his style because he was getting beaten the first two rounds. Oh, yeah. He was, he was leaving himself open and taking all kinds of body shots, and he wasn't landing. Yeah. And in the third round, he had to change up his footwork. And he had to adjust his, the way he was punching. Mm -hmm. And it just, it goes to show you that even the greatest of all time, and, you know, he is the greatest of all time, not like some other people that call themselves the greatest of all time, Tom Brady, LeBron James, Muhammad Ali really was. I mean, if you want to get into it, I ran the numbers and Muhammad Ali's career record was 56 and five, okay? Uh -huh. Which means that he had less losses than LeBron James has lost championship finals. And he has a better winning percentage than Tom Brady does in Super Bowls. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's true. I'm not bitter at all because my team just got beat in the Super Bowl or anything, but, you know. You know, uh, though, talking about being left-handed... I was curious about his story about where Southpaw came from. Uh-huh. And it's not true. <laughs> uh, you mean the guy wasn't pointing to a jersey? No. <laughs> Although there, there's an element of potential truth to it. So there's some debate as to where the term comes from, but it there's some strong indication it comes from baseball. Oh, okay. And some people say it was coined like back in the 1800s. And they were talking about where, when baseball fields, a lot of them were oriented pointing west. So your left-handed pitchers, their arm was on the south side. Mm. So, uh, yeah, that's still debated too. But the term has been around a long time. But it looks like it, it got started with baseball before it got anywhere else. Well, getting back to Rocky and Adrian. The walk home, there's some interesting stuff there. Yes. Yes, there definitely was. So I know mental health really wasn't talked a lot about back then. But it's touched on a little bit, the fact that, you know, she's really shy. And he says, you know, some people think shyness is a disease and this kind of thing. But, I mean, between the two of them, she probably suffers from some form of anxiety. Right. You know, and he most certainly fights with depression. Yes. And without question. So, you know, that, that line about we make a sharp couple of coconuts, which I still <laughs> don't understand what he means by that exactly. <laughs> But it's kind of true, you know, they sort of complete each other in a way, right. you know, and Rocky really does make it okay for her to be who she is. Yeah. Makes it, he's like, okay, so you're shy. Yeah. I'm okay with you being shy. Yeah. I'm dumb. <laughs> you're shy. That's what he what says. about it? <laughs> yeah, but she's kind of reluctant to go up to his room. Yeah. Well, I know it turns out okay in the movie later. That whole scene just kind of... Gave me the... Bleh. Yeah, he, he does kind of do that that creepy thing. Downright to literally like, I'm going to block you in here and not let you leave, even though you've clearly said you want to go multiple times. Right. By today's standards, it's absolutely like unforgivable for someone to do that. Yes. But it was kind of a trope back in the 70s. Yeah. That whole idea of just a strong man has to help a woman release herself or some such. Yeah. What a load of garbage. Seriously? I mean, it, it kind of, honestly, it kind of set me back toward like, ah, oh, this guy's a douchebag. Right. Like you said, it, it's kind of, ugh. Yeah. But if you take away that bit mm -hmm. and you look at how he sees her, how he defends her to her brother, to other people being like, hey, lay off. She's a good person. Yeah. Yeah. He, he really does. He, 
he really does defend her. And the bad jokes aside, like, you can tell from the beginning of the movie that he really does care for this girl. Yeah. You think that maybe he sees sort of a kindred spirit in her? You know, someone who might want more out of life but doesn't know how to go about it? Yeah, I think I think that makes sense. I mean, she works in a pet shop. <laughs> it's, like her brother said, she's almost 30, and she's got nobody but her brother. And while we may talk about that being his fault, mm-hmm. it's still clear that she wants a different life. Oh, yeah. Polly says that, you know, he doesn't have anything in his life because he had to take care of her. But I think it's pretty clear that she does a lot of taking care of him. Yeah, it's definitely the opposite. So Rocky probably woke up feeling pretty good about himself the next day. But that kind of gets shattered a little bit when he uh, goes walking into the gym. Yeah, you could tell he was in a good mood when he walked in there. And then he gets a business card from Mickey, and they're saying the champ is looking for sparring partners. Yeah. I mean, it's a chance to actually work with Apollo Creed. I mean, clearly, you know, from his conversation earlier with the bartender, he thinks this guy really did it. He's a big deal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then Mickey has to piss in his Cheerios. Yeah, he really did. I mean, he sat there and he's like, oh, you could have been something. You had all this talent and you went and you did nothing with it. Yep. Yeah, but what opportunity did he have? That's a good point. I mean, we see in an earlier scene, Mickey focusing on the the new guy, the young blood, you know, and he's kind of done with Rocky. The guy that took Rocky. his locker. The guy that took his locker. And if I remember right, that's who he's working with in this scene, too. And then they just start shouting at each other. Yeah, how embarrassing did that have to be? Just everybody looking at him like, ah, oh, shit. I mean, how many of them probably feel like they're in a similar position? Absolutely. I mean, it's one thing to be told you're worthless. Mm-hmm. It's another thing to be told you could have been something, but you didn't live up to your potential, so you're a waste of space. Yeah. That hurts. That does. It really does. But come to find out, it's not a sparring partner he's looking for. Well, I mean, I guess it kind of is, isn't it? Well, target practice, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought that that was a really good touch when the promoter is talking to him and he's like, how would you like to... He's like, he's offering them the chance to, to do the fight. And Rocky's like, no. Right. I mean, does that not just illustrate it? I mean, he doesn't think he's worth it. Yeah, you know? exactly. He's like, I don't deserve this. No, I'm just a bum. You know, there there's an interesting, again, parallel here between... Uh, Rocky and Sylvester Stallone. So it was just kind of a stroke of luck that he got the film made. He had gone in for an audition for the producers, and through the discussion and the audition, he said, oh, I'm a writer too, you know, and he didn't get the part or anything, but they said, oh, do you got anything you're working on? And he told them, and they said, oh, can we read the script? And they decided to pick it up. Wow. So it was just kind of just an off chance thing, you know, somebody spotted him and said, oh, we'll give him a shot. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, I guess that proves that this kind of story can actually happen. You know, you follow up this whole scene, right, where he does the uh, press conference. Uh Uh-huh. And he seems so out of place. Yeah, he does. He doesn't know what to do. No, he doesn't know what to say. He's just, he's a sore thumb. And when they're watching on TV, you know, Polly's like, you know, hey, they're clowning you. He's getting upset about it. Yeah. And Rocky's all, I, I don't care. It doesn't bother me. And he's laughing it off. Right. But then he has that vulnerable moment outside where he actually sits there and admits to Adrian it really did bother him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I can see why. They weren't being over the top patronizing, but they were still making it fairly obvious that they thought this guy was a joke. Right. He was just there for a show. Yeah. He was basically a prop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this little bit here irritated me some. I mean, yeah, Polly came to his defense, but he also made another case to use his friend to try to pull himself up with, without actually doing any work for it. I mean, talk about grabbing on to coattails and hanging on for dear life to ride Rocky to whatever little bit of fame he might get. And then shortly after that, we see Mickey heading up to his apartment and knocking on the door. And it's like, hey, wait, 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 another guy coming to to just climb on your back and ride you to money or fame or whatever they can get out of you. Like, man, I I really started, started to feel sorry for him. I mean, it turned out that that's not what Mickey was doing. But when it first happened, I'm like, oh, man. This poor guy. And somebody, you know, and he's, like he said himself, he's dumb. So somebody is going to trick him into giving away more than he should. 
Yeah, and I think that you could add to that that with Mick showing up, especially after the last conversation they had, that Rocky kind of feels betrayed by him suddenly doing this 180 on him. Like, you thought I was worth nothing, and now you think I'm worth everything? Yeah, absolutely. I actually laughed spitefully when he's, like, not good enough to have a locker, though. Like, that was that was a good comeback. Yeah, that was a good comeback. You know, I almost feel like from everything that Mickey was saying— that he felt like he screwed up in his life. He had a chance, but it never really went anywhere. And now he wants to live vicariously through Rocky. Yeah, I got that sense too. You know, in some ways, Mickey is another dysfunctional father figure. Right. You know, if Gazo is the guy who cares about him to take care of him, but doesn't have the best morals, Mickey's the the dad who doesn't know how to uh, express himself well and doesn't know when to lend his support. Right. You know, that scene had one, what would have had to be one of the best rants slash dressing downs in movie history. I mean, I know I haven't seen a lot of movies, but still, that was a great rant. It's showing him being down the block and still being able to hear (laughs) what Rocky was yelling at him. So here's a funny thing. That entire monologue was improvised. Wow, really? The entire thing. And a couple times in it, he said, it stinks, my house stinks, things like that. Yeah. That was actually, uh, he took inspiration from the fact that the apartment they were in, the bathroom actually did stink. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, he he gave it to him. He's like, you could have been there for me, and you weren't. Yeah. And you could almost feel like that old cliche, you could almost feel Mickey getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Oh, yeah. As the rant went on. Oh, yeah. Burgess Meredith did a great job there. Everything from the beginning where he's like, you know, he's really up, this is going to be great. And then you just see him just getting more and more like, oh, God, I really screwed this up. Yeah. Although it was nice to see that Rocky was able to go out, you know, kind of swallow his pride and chase him down and put his arm around him. I mean, we don't get any dialogue there, but you can just kind of see he's like, okay. They they shake hands and they make up and Mm -hmm. he has a trainer. (laughs) He has a manager. Yep. Then we get him tr- in the next morning doing that classic thing of drinking a bunch of oh, raw God. eggs. That was disgusting. I I'd never understood that. But apparently it's a thing. Yeah. I mean, Ray, you used to do powerlifting. I mean, did you ever drink raw eggs? No. No, 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 no. No, that's that's gross. Yeah, you got to scramble them first. Yeah, absolutely. Add some cheese. Yeah. That's the proper way. A little that's bacon. Salsa, you know. Yeah, there you go. So, you know, then we get the his first running montage where he barely makes it up those stairs. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like, oh, God, is he going to be able to do this? Yeah, there was a little bit of that. I'm like, wow. Like, I, th- <laughs> I think my actual reaction was like, oh, I thought that was supposed to be a lot more impressive. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's true. You know, the shots from both this first montage and the later one were actually all shot guerrilla style, so without any permits or real equipment or anything like that. Uh, in fact, they were so low budget that when Stallone was running around, he actually injured himself, and they had to take him to the hospital in a wheelbarrow. <laughs> no. That, what, what the hell? That's not cool. Hey, you know, you do what you got to do. Yeah, he would just, like, hop out of the van when they saw something cool and have him run by, and they just shoot him, you know, film him from there. Uh, in fact, you made the comment about the uh, guy throwing him an orange when he was running down that market. Yeah. Yeah. All the reactions from the people were real reactions because they had no idea why there was this dude just jogging down the, the middle of the road with a van filming him. So <laughs> that was just some shopkeeper just tossed him the orange. You know, and that's funny because that's Philadelphia and Philadelphia famously booed Santa. Well, you know, sometimes Santa's not such a nice person. I, I might have gotten a coal or two. In my time. (laughs) That's not the only training, of course, he does that's kind of unorthodox. He ends up uh, in the meat locker with Polly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're having their conversation about Adrian and things start to get heated and Polly punches one of the sides of beef and then Rocky's like, hey, looks like a good idea. I think I'll give that a shot. Yeah. Actually, uh, while shooting that, they were like in there for like eight hours doing all those scenes. 
and he actually broke his hand punching oh, damn. him. In fact, you can still see it to this day. If you look anytime he makes a fist, his knuckles are flat. Jeez. <laughs> wow. That's intense. So you think that when it sounded like he was breaking the ribs on the on the cows, it, maybe that was his hand breaking? <laughs> that, that might have been. I don't know. Yeah. Oh. And then a little later, he goes to mix, and he's working that heavy bag, and he comes up and ties a string to his ankles. Oh, yeah. That was crazy. Like, there's no way I could survive something like that. <laughs> Balance is not my friend, and gravity and I don't get along. Yeah, that's true. I mean... What, two knee surgeries? Yeah. Yeah, because of gravity? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, one was your fault, though. We don't have to talk about that. Yeah, but it's funny. Going jumping off freaking conveyor belts. What? I I don't know what she's talking about. Mm-hmm. Your knee does. <laughs> <laughs> well, after this, I thought it was pretty cool that he got himself a training partner. Oh, yeah. The dog Buckus. Yeah. That was a cool-looking dog. Yeah, a big old bull mastiff flea bag. <laughs> You know, that dog has a special credit. It's Buckus Stallone. Really? Yeah, because it was actually uh, Sylvester Stallone's real dog. Oh, wow. That's that's awesome. It was kind of sad, though. You know, he was so broke that before Rocky was sold, he actually sold the dog for 50 bucks to a guy out in front of a 7-Eleven. Oh, man. But then he sold the script like a week later. Yeah. And so he wanted the dog back. And uh, the guy charged him like 15 grand to get the dog back. Oh, my God. But Stallone said he was worth every penny. You know what? A good dog really is. Although this dog's kind of strange. So they needed a dog for the movie. Yes. And he was kind of shocked at how expensive a trained dog is. And he's like, on a movie that doesn't have a budget to cover a feeble hamster, how are we getting a dog? And the producers (laughs) asked him, do you have a dog? And he's like, well, I got something that's kind of a throwback to the Stone Age. (laughs) But obviously Stallone's an animal lover because he's like, so I went home and I discussed it with Buckus. And he sat there and said, you know, he'd give it his best shot. (laughs) But a few days before his film debut, he took a nap on a wet carpet and dyed half himself red. (laughs) But fortunately, he came clean before he had to be on screen. That's amazing. <laughs> I love dogs. <laughs> they're, they're, sometimes dogs can be so smart, but sometimes they can be so dumb. It's true. That's <laughs> what makes them so lovable. Absolutely. So Rocky gets a little irritated with Polly when Polly calls the news and is like, hey, why are these reporters here? What's going on? Oh, yeah. You know, he doesn't seem to really like the attention. No, he wants to just train for his fight. I don't blame him. Except I think that they gave him a much fairer interview. Yes, in yes. Because he was worried about it. He asked him. Yeah, he's like, you guys aren't going to, what's the word he used? I don't remember now. Take any cheap shots? Yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that. I think it's because of that that you can kind of see where people started to fall in love with the guy. Uh-huh. A little later, we see in his apartment, he's like on magazine covers and things like that. Mm-hmm. I think in some ways, it was a little overwhelming to him. Oh, yeah. Well, you go from being a nobody to being... This huge somebody. Yeah, I mean, like, world-famous somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that would be a lot for anybody. You know, and there was one little clip that, I don't know if people would say it flew under the radar or whatnot, but it does a real quick flash of Apollo's manager watching Rocky just beat up this meat. Oh, yeah. And he's like, hey, man, you might want to check this out. This guy means business. And Apollo just sort of laughs it off and like, hey, can I get some coffee? Yeah, I mean, he's like, oh, yeah, I mean business too, and just brushes him aside. Yeah, totally. But yeah. it's 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 kind of, I'm not sure if you'd call it foreshadowing, but it's kind of leading up to this guy is, is going to put up a real fight, and Apollo's not going to see it coming. You know, although it, it actually is kind of foreshadowing, because if you think about it, Polly says, you're breaking the ribs. And that's exactly what Rocky does to Apollo in the final fight. Oh, that's, yeah, that's true. But before we get to the fight, we've got Polly's Drunken Christmas. Oh, man. Yeah, that's the worst Christmas movie ever made. Seriously. Okay, so it's kind of funny getting in there. You know, he's walking down the street drunk. Yeah. While they were shooting, an actual drunk walked up to him and complained he wasn't doing it right (laughs) and showed him how to walk like a drunk. And so he copied that guy. Of course. I I love low-budget movies. (laughs) Seriously? But man, I mean, once he gets inside, dude, what a downer. Yeah, that was was scary. scary. And I don't think Rocky and Adrian were saying anything bad. No, he just walked in at the wrong time and took it out of context. Yeah, 
I mean, I think Polly feels really powerless in his life. Yes. You know, and he keeps trying to look for a way out. Yes. And he sees his friend have this amazing opportunity. Right. And then by association, so is Adrian, his sister. Yes. Getting a better life because she she's found this guy, she's happy, all this kind of thing. So everybody around him is getting all the things that he's never had in his life. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was uh, really cool that Adrian stood up to him. Oh, absolutely. I did not see that coming, the way she screamed and shouted at him. Like, I didn't think she had that in her. Oh, no. We talk about Rocky having a lot of heart as a fighter, mm-hmm. and it looks like, you know, she, she was kind of channeling that yeah. at that point. The relationship really let her know she could be more, and she didn't have to put up with the abuse. Right. And then Rocky got a roommate. That could barely fit in the room. Yes. <laughs> but talking about being a fighter... You know, Rocky really actually starts looking like a fighter in that scene with Mick when they're training and he's actually starting to say some good things about him. Yeah, yeah. What's he tell the the cut man? He goes to the body like nobody I've ever seen. Yeah. You know what's funny about that cut man? What's that? So that's Al Savini, which is funny because he's actually introduced as Al Savini. I was going to (laughs) say. Yeah, that was literally the character's name as well, at least the way it worked out. But that guy actually played the cut man for another boxer named Rocky in a movie 20 years earlier. Really? Yeah. It was the movie uh, Somebody Up There Likes Me. And Paul Newman was playing that character. Ah. And it was considered his breakout role. So if you're going to be in a boxing movie, name your character Rocky and get this guy as your cut man, and you're going to be famous. There you go. Then we get to probably the most iconic scene of this movie, at least from everything I've heard. You got the big music that just fits so well with him running down streets and running on the beach and with bridges in the background. And then he goes to those stairs that he barely made it up earlier. And he's at the top and he's dancing around. And it was like, man, it was just, it was awesome. Yeah, it it absolutely was. I mean, it was powerful. I mean, a lot of people are like, just imagine, you know, being up there yourself and waving your arms around. Mm -hmm. Now, to speak about how in shape Sylvester Stallone actually was, those two scenes of him barely making it up and then him making it up all, you know, like a champ. Yeah. Shot two and a half hours apart. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. You know, actually, there's some cool movie making stuff about this scene. Yeah. So this is the third movie to ever use Steadicam. Okay. And the uh, inventor, Garrett Brown, he actually did the, the footage of it. He had sold it for the first time in Hollywood just a few months earlier. Uh Uh-huh. And one of the test shots that he did was literally following his wife running up these exact same steps. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. You know, after he's dancing around on the stairs, he's on the highest of highs right now. Oh, yeah. You know, he really is believing in, in himself. And he goes to visit the arena, which I've heard of actual fighters doing, walking out and just looking around. I've heard of baseball players going out and checking mm-hmm. out the field during, you know, oh, yeah. either on opening day or before playoff games. I've I've heard of quarterbacks doing that before playoff games and it's I almost mean almost religious, isn't it? It, it kind of is. It's it's like and it gave it a feeling of like realness to I'm going to be here. This is really going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. The unfortunate part about that is then he goes home and he's doubting himself again. Oh, yeah. It, it kind of s- sank in, I think, for a guy who's used to boxing in a small room with maybe 30 people watching. Mm-hmm. Suddenly he's going to have thousands of people watching him. Yeah. Yeah. That scene of him going home and, and talking about his doubts with Adrian uh-huh. was almost cut from the film. Really? Yep. But Stallone thought it was one of the most vital scenes. Oh, he... And so he fought for it. I I think they only had one take to do it in, too. Uh Uh-huh. But yeah, that's where he's like, you know, I can't beat him. Yeah. I just want to go the distance. Yeah. Which itself, I mean, since he says nobody's ever gone the distance with him, so I just want to prove I can. Yeah. And then I guess it's time to actually get into the fight. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody's ever knocked him down either, and, and Rocky does that in the first round. Yeah. So, interesting thing there. If you watch the movie carefully, uh-huh. he could have won in the first round by knockout. Really? Yes. The ref can't start counting Apollo out until Rocky gets to his neutral corner, and he wouldn't go. He kept messing with the ref. So if you actually count it out, the ref gets to an eight count before Apollo is to his feet. Uh-huh. Well, he spends a good five, ten seconds fighting with Rocky before he starts counting. Yeah, yeah. That's so. 
It's kind of a crazy That's thing. That's crazy. I, I was because I was so jazzed, like, oh my god, he knocked him down. You know, I wasn't thinking about the ref counting or right. like anything else. Like I was just like. Holy crap! I love the look on uh, Apollo's face when he gets back up. Uh huh. Just like the, oh damn! <laughs> I've never been hit so freaking hard in my life. <laughs> you know, and then they go into the second round and they're growling at each other. I can't quite tell what they're saying, but it seems like it's what are you doing? This isn't supposed to be a real fight. You know, like oh no, it's real. Like I'm, I'm gonna whoop your ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I was trying to make it out, too, and I checked the, the original screenplay, and unfortunately, there isn't a whole lot. It's a lot of, you know, come at me, give me your best kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but that's kind of later. But I was trying to pick out, and I heard some, like, punk type things, so yeah. I, I think it was like, come on, punk, you know, kind of thing, like, you're a nobody. Yeah. Because, I mean, uh, Paul was John at Rocky the whole time. Oh, yeah. He was trying to get in his head. Oh, yeah. Which I thought was funny, going back before the fight starts. Rocky just doesn't seem to get it. He's just so happy to be there at that point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Joe Frazier shows up in it. Yeah, right? yeah. That They actually put out a, a call, tried to get as many professional boxers as they could, uh-huh. but he was the only one that showed. I mean, he happens to be local. Right. But uh, Rocky makes that comment. He goes, oh, they must be friends when they're messing with each other in the corner. Yeah. That's a specific uh, reference to the relationship between Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier, who were good friends until their first fight. Yeah. Apollo said, you keep ducking me, man. Exactly, exactly. So it was it was kind of a, a callback to, you know, yeah. real life. He also, like, when, when Frazier was talking to Rocky, he's like, hey, man, don't let him get in your head. And he's like, nah, he doesn't bother me. Right. Which, which was good to see. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. earlier in the movie, that would have, like he said about the, the, the reporters when he was doing the press conference. That right. He really can play tough, him. but it, it does bother him. Yeah, absolutely. I was a bit surprised that they skipped as many rounds as they did. I mean, you you saw the the numbers pop up and kind yeah. of fade out, and you see them fighting, and we go from round two to like round seven, and then mm-hmm. round thirteen, and then round fourteen, and that's when they start picking up the. They actually pick up the fight again. Yeah, another thing that I was glad to see. Yeah. In the fourteenth and fifteenth round, mm-hmm. and I was wondering if anybody else would catch it, and then the announcers pointed it out. They were both, well, they pointed out that Rocky mainly couldn't put his hands up to defend himself anymore. Right. But neither of them had their hands up very, as least, at least as much as they did. And that's fatigue right there is you can't, you can't put your hands up anymore because they're, you're just so tired. And oh, yeah. I'm, I'm really glad they added that in. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know when they cut back the number of rounds mm-hmm. that they do. What is it now that they do? Like, uh, 12, 12, I believe. Yeah. But, I mean, 15 rounds is crazy. Yeah. You know, they both actually suffered injuries. Oh, did um, they? During it. Uh, what's funny, it's the opposite injuries of what the characters got. So, Carl Weathers got a broken nose and Sylvester Stallone got broken ribs? I don't think anything was broken, but, oh. yeah. Carl Weathers had a messed up nose and uh, Stallone got uh, bruised ribs out of it. Yeah. So, I thought that was kind of interesting karma that came out of that. Right. Oh, I cringed when the guy cut his eye open. Oh, oh yeah, that was oh that was terrible. my that that's that's ooh, ooh. that's rough. I'll, though I absolutely love his line, Rocky's line. That is so over in Apollo's corner. You've got the guy saying, "Oh man, you're bleeding inside. Let me call it." And he's like, "No, no, I'm fine." But then when you get to Rocky's corner, he's like, "If you stop this fight, I'll kill you." <laughs> <laughs> yes, I laughed at that. That was great. Another good one was uh, after Rocky got his nose broken, mm-hmm. uh, he's asking Mickey, how's it look? He's like, it looks better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's an improvement. That was funny. <laughs> oh, that was great. So, I mean, the movie had some laughs. Like, it did. I, it, it, you know, they were subtle, but they were it was still funny. It didn't take itself as seriously as you might think it would. Yeah. Because I mean, it's a pretty darn serious story, and there's some serious things that happen in it, but yeah. they, they left some room there for, for humor. Right. And then, spoiler alert, Rocky lasts all 15 rounds, although if those ropes hadn't been there, Apollo would have been knocked. He, he looked like he was out on his feet. Oh, like, yeah. I'm not, you know, I said earlier, Carl Weathers is awesome. Yeah. But he did a really good job of just looking like Oh, like he was the totally ropes spent. were 
all the only thing holding him up from yeah. from being knocked down. And they went to a split decision, and the judge called judges called it for uh, Apollo. Yep, except in the Brazilian translation. Really? Yeah. Apparently, in the Brazilian translation, it was a tie. Oh, which I don't even know how that works because the scoring system was rounds, yeah, not points. <laughs> but whatever. All right. <laughs> But Rocky doesn't even care. Like, he did what he wanted to do. Yeah, his goal was to go the distance, and that's exactly what he did. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and so much so that he didn't care that there wasn't going to be a rematch. The only thing that he cared about was celebrating with Adrian, that he accomplished what he set out to do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I thought it was neat the way everything starts going into the background, Mm -hmm. and you just hear him looking for Adrian, calling for Adrian. And her running down to the ring. Yeah, exactly. Uh, You know, that wasn't originally supposed to be the ending. Really? No. So it's interesting because it's a tie-in to the posters for the film. Okay. So the posters, uh, a lot of them had the two of them holding hands, uh, kind of walking away. Uh Uh-huh. Which, originally, she never came out. He went back and found her, Uh and it showed them walking hand-in-hand out through the tunnel. Uh Uh-huh. And... I believe there was something about how uh, he wasn't ever going to fight again or something like that. He had proved himself. Yeah. But audiences thought that was too depressing. Oh. So they changed it. Oh. Interesting. Well, I mean, it probably made it easier to make sequels after that, too. Well, that, too. Although I don't know if there was a plan for a sequel initially. Yeah. But you'll get to watch the sequels eventually. (laughs) The sequels? I I can't wait to watch this movie again. (laughs) Watch it with my kids. I'm going to... I love this movie. This this was a just a fantastic, excellent movie. Like, holy crap. You know, it's interesting that you say that because, I mean, you were not so sold on it when it started, and now you're just all about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, talking about it and, and reliving it, it's just some of the more emotional moments actually hit me. Yeah. You know? It's a great movie. Absolutely. So you feel like a champ now that you got through it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I uh, I think I'm going to give it nine and a half punches in the face out of ten. Oh, well, as long as you're not the one getting punched, I guess that's a good thing. Uh, absolutely correct. So when do we get to watch Rocky II? You heard Apollo. There's not going to be a rematch. <laughs> All right, so what's coming up next, MJ? Well, next week, three drunks go on a fishing trip. What? I... I See you next week, everybody. You take it easy, everybody. We'd like to thank you for listening to this week's episode of Seen It Last. We hope you enjoyed the show because we sure did. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Seen It Last. You can find me at Ray Seen It Last. And you can find me at MJ Seen It Last. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe if you would please, and leave us a review. It really helps us out. We'd also like to thank our voice from above, Alex Nevue, our graphic artist, Mallory Rowley, and our associate producer, Dornov. I'm Ray. And I'm MJ. Tune in next week when another awesome movie will be seen at last. And the only reason I leave the half off is because the hero is not supposed to lose at the end.